0: Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today with me is David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we are glad to have you here, and today we're going to have an interesting conversation, I think, about the physical and medical consequences of addiction, and we're going to focus primarily on alcoholism, Last week's show, we talked about uh, a lot of the new research and information that we've found out over the last few weeks and few months about the role of alcohol. But one of the things that we didn't focus too much on was the medical consequences, the effects on your physical health. So I thought, given that we just had a big holiday that was often a drinking holiday for many folks, it might be helpful to review that a little bit, because after all, alcohol is still our number one addiction in the United States, uh, right behind tobacco. So it's a, it continues to be a big problem, even though other drugs may have gotten a little more headline. So I think it's an important topic.
1: Well, and certainly that alcohol has become such a um, such a means of celebrating all of our holidays, whether it's a patriotic holiday or a, or a religious holiday. Alcohol still plays a big factor in it. And Memorial Day being the start of the summer and Labor Day being the end of the summer are two times when people really do um, do excessive drinking.
0: Very, very important um, to recognize. And there's. Um, A phenomenon that happens when people have had periods of intense drinking, whether they're chronically drinking and drink every day, or whether they binge drink, and that's something called holiday heart. Have you guys heard about that?
2: Yes, we have.
0: (laughs) Yeah, alcohol has quite an effect on the heart, and the electrical activity of the heart... We see a lot of heart attacks coming from arrhythmias, where the heart is not beating as it should. Atrial fibrillation is probably the most common cause of this. And what happens is um, the toxic effect of alcohol on their heart creates... a disconnection, if you will, in the electrical activity of the top part of the heart, the atrium. And instead of contracting in a firm way and in rhythm and in concert with the ventricles, which are the bottom uh, two parts of the heart, instead they just start fluttering. They are not really... Con- contracting, they're just shuddering, if you will, and they're not effective at all in generating the normal heart function, the normal heartbeat. And this is, again, a direct toxic effect of alcohol on the heart. And lots of people may be at risk for this today. It um, can either kill you directly from a heart attack, or blood can actually get clot and and because it's held in the atrium itself it's not moving through the ventricles and so it's just staying there it can actually form blood clots and then these can uh, cause strokes and can cause uh, problems with your um, with your heart itself and also with your lungs a big big problem so emergency rooms, probably over the weekend and for the next couple of days, may be treating a lot of these arr- arrhythmias or irregular heartbeats, most of the time they don't really even ask the person about their consumption of alcohol, although this is one of the most common causes of atrial fit.
1: Well, and... and Right after holidays, um, um, they've experienced this to the point where they've actually given it the label Holiday Heart. And it's interesting because, you know, at the Atlanta Healing Center... For the most part, we're if we're dealing with alcoholics, we're dealing with long-term drinkers, people who have been drinking for many, many years, and alcohol has turned against them. You know, at that that's critical point in life. So, with them, we're we're real often talking about the effects on the brain, the effects on the liver um when they're in early recovery will have real hard time getting their blood pressure regulated because of all of the consequences of it um but we don't necessarily talk about the um the impact of a heavy binge especially for people who aren't regular drinkers right and what we know is that holidays are times that even non-drinkers will be a heavy drinker and so they are they're more vulnerable to this although long-term drinkers can get this as well Um, So it's a crucial thing to get out there.
0: Very important to understand. We also see this sometimes happening when when there's a big snowstorm, the first big snowstorm of the year up north, and folks get out and they're shoveling this heavy, wet snow. And they will have a heart attack after that because they're not used to that kind of, um, particular physical, uh, workout and clearing off a big storm can be a lot of work, especially if it's early in the year and really wet, wet snow, which is heavier than the lighter stuff that we often see as the temperatures fall and you get further into winter. We don't have to worry about that right now.
1: No, but what we do have coming up in July, our next big holiday, here in Atlanta we have the Peachtree Road Race and it's become such a huge event. 65,000 people, I believe, running and and a good number of those people haven't actually trained for it. (laughs) And and so at the three mile mark of the Peachtree Road Race they're coming up Peachtree right in front of Piedmont Hospital and it's become known as cardiac um, bridge, and and it's it's um, uh, people will run directly from the Peachtree Road Race into the ER because there will be a lot of cardiac issues directly for that same reason. Whether it's shoveling snow or trying to make it down the Peachtree, when your heart's not used to something and you suddenly overdo it, it's a dangerous situation.
0: And if you suddenly overdo it with a bunch of alcohol, you will have some some major problems. And uh, holiday heart is one of the things to really be aware of and to be very careful about because this is a serious thing and people do die from this. So be really careful. So even occasional binge drinking can have its um, consequences and some of those can include heart attack and stroke and death. We um, started thinking about, um, uh, about some of these things as news over the weekend of um, the death of uh, Greg Allman. Um, one of the founders of the Almond Brothers Band. And if you live in the South, you probably have heard of them and uh, hopefully have um, appreciated their music. Though he died of complications of hepatitis C, he also was a big drinker. And the um, damage to his liver, the difficulty he had after a liver transplant, which is often the fate of... For people with hepatitis C, um, eventually developing liver cancer and dying. This is um, a, this is a serious thing, and we know that people who drink a lot can also, just by itself, without any hepatitis, without any other infectious disease, can develop problems with their liver, which can result in their death. So lots of um, sad memories to think about in terms of all of the people over the years that we have lost because of alcohol combined with other drugs or alcohol by itself resulting in uh, early death of people who would have a lot to give if they could have lived a bit longer. So that made us think a little bit about let's talk about some of the medical consequences because I'm not so sure that people often think about them.
1: Well, and I think of the number of shows that we've done after after somebody significant has passed away from addiction. And, and most recently, it's generally been an opiate-related overdose that's that's brought this conversation up. But even looking back through through most of those situations, alcohol was involved, if, if not a, a big part of it, it, it was at least a contributing factor into why somebody who may have had some previous recovery picked up the opiates again. So, um, I mean, the, the part of what we've known for a long time is that, that alcohol is, is very responsible for our hospitals being as busy as they are and for, for many of the illnesses that our, our nation is facing um and the amount of substance use disorder that that we're dealing with is is alcohol directly connected. I um
2: I thought that you know right here would be a good spot to bring up the uh, Tiger Woods DUI because um this morning on on the news where I was hearing it um in his statement apparently he was making it very very clear that he had not that his DUI was not induced by alcohol in any way. That um, you know that it was it was due to the uh, interaction of prescription drugs and his his um, his injury you know to his injuries but but I thought it was interesting that that he made that um,
0: distinction distinction
2: <laughs> um, that there wasn't alcohol
1: but and certainly the number of of DUIs that are other substances is is huge out there and
0: and it's um, growing as more and more um police officers um the sheriff state patrolmen are aware of driving under the influence does not necessarily have to be the influence of alcohol oh, it can right. certainly be the influence of other substances or other substances in combination with alcohol
1: mm-hmm Generally at the bottom of those bottles, though, of that prescription medicine, it usually says don't use with <laughs> alcohol and don't operate heavy machinery until you know the effects of this. And and um, opiates is one of those ones that probably people should not be using
0: any alcohol at all. But even common medications like antidepressants, a number of the antidepressants use the same metabolic pathway through the liver to um, metabolize and... Um, uh, get the, those medications out of their system. And they use the same pathway as alcohol. One of the things that we do know is that people can get uh, a, an, a drug-alcohol interaction where now their blood alcohol level is higher when they have had their usual amount to drink while they're taking Uh, one of the antidepressants, that it actually increases the blood alcohol level, and they are more at risk for a a DUI. So it's not just the prescription pain relievers or the sleep medications or the anti-anxiety medicines. There are a number of medicines that will have that label, and it's always interesting Uh, when people come to the Atlanta Healing Center, we ask them to bring their medications with them and all of the supplements they're taking. It's very interesting to then hold up the little bottle and say, and what does this say? Have you ever seen this? Have you ever read this? And unfortunately, many people seem very surprised that there is that little sticker, caution, do not use with alcohol. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the physical and medical effects of addiction. Please stay tuned.
3: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.atlantahealingcenter.com.
4: This is America's com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
5: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today with me are Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're talking about the physical and medical effects of addiction, focusing on alcohol because, unfortunately, and one of the things that we commonly see is regardless of what substance or behavior brings you, into treatment, and sometimes it is primarily alcohol, but alcohol is generally part of that. I think in our emphasis on some of the other drugs of concern, we often um, bypass or (laughs) forget to mention alcohol. And we know that 12% of our population is at risk for developing alcoholism. And that... um, This is a pretty significant amount of people, twice as many as we see developing primarily addictions with other substances. So when we add this all together, we come up with our around 20%. But um, a big majority of these folks are also using alcohol, and alcohol has contributed to their death. We know that um, Corey Monteith, Uh, The uh, actor from Glee had gone out drinking first and then found his heroin. Chris Farley was using alcohol along with cocaine when he died. Whitney Houston, when she drowned in her bathtub, she was found to have cocaine and alcohol on board. So this um, this is something that We really need to pay attention to not only the direct cause of people's death, but the Serious, serious effects on the m- the medical and the physical health of people related to their use of alcohol, with or without the disease of addiction. People can still get into trouble, can mm-hmm. still have a lot of um, physical problems and medical issues related to alcohol without necessarily having the disease of addiction at all.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Just when when you think about all of the different organ systems in the body and, and how much alcohol really impacts all of them. Um, we, we talked for a little bit about the, the cardiac system, and, and you were beginning to talk about the, the liver, and we mentioned um, cirrhosis, but, but that's just one of the ways that alcohol um, impacts the liver.
0: Right. There are um, a number of ways um, because alcohol is primarily detoxified by the liver, and we know that um, the most common um, effect of alcohol on the liver is um, alcohol-induced hepatitis, alcoholic hepatitis. Now, we usually think of hepatitis as being a viral infection, hepatitis A, B, or C, But we know that um, you can have a hepatitis occur when you have had too much alcohol. And this um, causes a lot of inflammation and excess fat to be deposited in the liver, making this uh, very, uh, for some people, a chronic disease, other people a very acute disease. Now, sometimes our patients won't even be aware of it And it's not until we are looking at their blood work when they come in and we see very elevated liver enzymes. These enzymes are extremely important in being able to help break down the food that we eat, to break down the toxins we're exposed to, to break down the medications that we take, really important, and they should not be in any great numbers circulating in our bloodstream. And when that happens, we know that damage has happened to the liver. So sometimes people have absolutely no idea that they're having liver problems. On the other hand, we see some people who will have acute hepatitis and will have a lot of problems. We had one patient, I recall, that um, had a very serious bout of alcoholic hepatitis that resulted in um, high fever abdominal pain, severe abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, and sometimes confusion because all of these toxic substances that the liver is supposed to be taking care of are now not being cleaned out of our system and creates for them a lot of psychological and mental disorders and confusion. So this can be very serious and those folks often have to be hospitalized for a number of days, sometimes in the intensive care unit.
1: So, I, I actually was wondering, in terms of this opportunity to just you know keep pulling out on your medical mind, um, some of the things that we're actually looking at. For in, for instance, when we're looking at a, a hepatic mm-hmm. liver, what would somebody somebody who's been told, okay, you've got a fatty liver. Would that be the same as a hepatic liver, or are these, are these two separate mm-hmm. diseases that the person is dealing with? Um,
0: uh, hepatic is another word for liver.
1: So someone with hepatitis C has this um, virus of the liver.
0: Right. Hepatic encephalo- encephalopathy, blah, blah, blah um, that is a... Um, change in your mental status where you're confused, you're delirious, you may be hallucinating, and that is related to your liver. Hepatic means liver.
2: But this is after they've been drinking? Generally. Or, or not during which? I mean, that's not part of a drunkenness.
0: Right, yes. It may not have anything, they may have not had anything to drink for a long time. And this is also separate from the um, delirium that we see when people are in acute alcohol withdrawal. The delirium tremens is another altered state of consciousness associated with a high fever, high body temperature, high blood pressure. That is potentially life threatening, even if the person is in the ICU, people do die from alcohol withdrawal. So the toxicity and the um, the problems that happen when our liver isn't working, particularly toxicity to our brain is very apparent and can happen in a number of different settings related to different problems with your liver. A real problem. Now, when you most of the time when you hear people having to have a liver transplant, um, it's related to cirrhosis of the liver. And what happens in cirrhosis is chronic alcoholism and a, a few other. Um, uh, problems with other drug use causes the scar tissue to build up in the liver itself. And so the normal uh, liver um, organ is now replaced with scar tissue. So the liver is less able to function normally and not able to um, uh, to operate efficiently, and gradually the liver just starts to break down, and it's not able at all to do its its normal functions. And now we're susceptible to infections, we can't uh, obtain some of the nutrients that we need, and we're going to have a lot more trouble removing harmful substances from our blood. And so that.
1: scar tissue, like if you, have a, if you have a scar on your arm, people often talk about how they'll feel the skin on the arm and then they'll feel a scar and it feels totally different. And the scar on your arm doesn't tan and it doesn't react the way the rest of your skin does with, mm-hmm. when things are going on. When we're talking about the liver... A scar isn't processing chemicals. It's not doing anything that the liver would do. It's just they're keeping the liver together.
0: Right, basically. And over time, as more and more of the liver becomes scar tissue, then there's less and less of the actual function of the liver being taken care of, and you begin to see a number of problems. One of them is jaundice
1: that's the that's what we typically see when somebody shows up for treatment their abdomen is extended and they're kind of yellowish um and, and at that point you either hope they're already on the, the transplant list or you know they're about to talk about I'm here because I need to get on the transplant list.
0: It's very interesting because uh, and people who have a dark tan or people of color it's sometimes hard to see the jaundice except if you pull down their eyelid, their bottom eyelid and look at the whites of their eye and the whites of their eye are no longer white. They're now Yellow, a very vivid, bright yellow. And what has happened is that the liver is beginning to fail. Important blood vessels also go through the liver, and they bring the um, the veins bring the toxins to the body, and the arteries um, help. Remove them. And one of the things that happens is as you get cirrhosis, you begin to have. Swelling of the abdomen because it's not, we're not clearing the fluids as easily as we need to. The portal vein is not working correctly. We're not getting the blood back up to the heart. We don't have enough protein in our body because our body is not effectively using the protein that we may have eaten. And so we can't keep the fluid part of our blood in the bloodstream and so that fluid is now leaking out into the abdomen and you're having what we call ascites where the abdomen is just filling up with this fluid and um, the person is, uh, this very painful can be very uncomfortable and this is one of the things that happen when you have the scar tissue forming in the liver and the liver no longer being able to even allow normal blood to be able to pass through it and to be filtered. Um, The jaundice comes from one of the other functions of the liver, which is to break down red blood cells. Now, some of you may um, be aware of the fact that the long bones in our body, like the big bones in our legs and in our arms. These bones inside them, the marrow of these bones, is the part of our body that generates our blood cells. So our white cells that fight infection, our red cells that carry oxygen and platelets. These are the important um, cells that help clot our blood if we cut ourselves or we injure ourselves. When the liver isn't working correctly, it's uh, part of its job is to make sure that old red blood cells are taken out of circulation and broken down. And one of the things that they um, break down and then we have go out in our feces is heme, and that's the iron part of the blood. When the liver isn't working effectively, this heme builds up in the bloodstream, and that's what turns you yellowy-orange. So that's how you get jaundice. We're going to take a break now. Uh, please stay tuned. We've got lots of other interesting medical facts about addiction. Thanks for listening.
4: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend. That needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2.
3: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com
5: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
0: This is
4: America's com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
0: Welcome back. This is Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson and Michael Daly and myself have been talking about some of the physical and medical complications of addiction, particularly addiction related to alcohol, because, again, that's our most common drug of use in the United States, next to tobacco. Uh, Right before we took a break, we were talking about um, liver diseases, and I thought that it might be helpful to just recognize how common these actually are. One in five heavy drinkers will develop alcoholic hepatitis. That's the inflammation of uh, the liver, Sometimes this is an acute problem, and if they stop drinking and they get good um, medical care, the liver has amazing regenerative uh, capacity. But sometimes, even with good medical care, uh, people go back and start drinking again, and they are likely to develop uh, chronic hepatitis, which is an ongoing deterioration of their liver.
1: Part of what you often talk about is how how um, detox and relapse is so destructive in particular on the brain, but we know even with the liver if if the the person has had a period of abstinence and their liver has begun really healing and then they go back to drinking, that inflammation that and the the, the problems they were having come back very quickly.
0: Yes, they do, and it's a big risk. And you, each time you go in and out of detox, in and out of recovery, you are increasing the risk that you're going to cross that line. And unfortunately, most of us don't know where that line is, where we now move from an acute problem that can heal and the liver repair itself to a more chronic problem. such as um, chronic hepatitis, or um, or some brain dysfunction that we're going to talk about in a minute. But um, so one in five heavy drinkers can- will get this um, will get hepatitis, the inflammation, and one in four will develop cirrhosis, the scarring of the liver. That's quite a few people, and that is um, one of, um, you know, a a major cost that we have here in the U.S. (laughs) in terms of uh, health costs. One of the common things, as I talk with some of the liver transplant teams, a very common question that they have has to do with the fact that many of the people coming for liver transplants have the disease of addiction and have had hepatitis C from unsafe sex, unprotected sex, or from sharing of needles, they need a liver transplant. We have the chronic alcoholics who have now chronic um, end-stage cirrhosis or hepatitis, and they need a liver transplant.
1: Well and we we often will have people that are dealing with liver cancer. Right. Um and and what can be so sad for them is that, you know, if they discover it quickly enough that they can be on the transplant list, but, but so often the cancer will have spread to another part of the body and when the when it's at that point they pretty much are eliminated from being able to, to get a liver.
0: Right. And often the liver cancer comes from having had cirrhosis. So there's a direct correlation between those two. And, uh, you know, on the bright side, on the bright side, quitting drinking, quitting smoking. Many, many times we do see the liver able to heal and repair itself, and it's really important that people get into recovery and stay in recovery to minimize these long-term, chronic, often fatal diseases that can happen if they continue to drink. So, uh, pancreatitis.
1: Pancreatitis. <laughs> Should we, we move on let's through the organ system?
0: To, let's move on to the pancreas because this is another common reason people get hospitalized.
1: So you, these these systems are all keeping balance, and so for for um, the regular common person, the, the pancreas is there to help keep our insulin insulin levels correct. So are controlling the amount of sugar that's in our blood and the amount of glucose that's getting sent throughout the system and when when it's getting impacted by alcohol um, it can it causes the the pancreas to become inflamed pancreatitis and what we'll see is that you know the common man we see abdominal pain we see back pain nausea vomiting fever and and often we'll hear about people that are admitted into the hospital because of pancreatitis and um, and we'll see them again, and they're back out there drinking, and they're thinking, well, this was a one-time event, and I don't have anything I really need to worry about. They'll even have been told, um, you know, just drink moderately and, and – um,
0: Be careful. Be careful. Be <laughs> careful.
1: Um, But inevitably, they're in the hospital again with an an incredibly painful experience.
0: Yes, it's very, very painful. And one of the reasons that it's so painful is in addition to the role of the pancreas in terms of sending out the insulin trucks that pick up the sugar in our blood that... Comes from our food being digested and drives them in, into the different organs and, dif- and muscle systems. Um, the pancreas, that's our, its most famous um, reason for being, and we certainly know if your pancreas isn't working, you'll develop something called diabetes and have to use insulin um, either from an insulin pump or by injection to be able to keep your blood sugar no- normal. Alcohol is made out of a lot of sugar. There's a lot of sugar in alcohol. And um, this additional stress on the body is really hard. But particularly for the pancreas. The pancreas has another function that we don't often think about. But it has digestive enzymes. The pancreas also kind of squirts out into the um, small intestine. Uh, different enzymes that help with breaking down of protein and fats and some carbohydrates these enzymes when there's damage to the pancreas instead of going out into the system and being used where they're supposed to be Uh, they get released into the pancreas and start digesting the pancreas. So they're actually breaking down the pancreas itself. And this is an extremely painful, very dangerous, and potentially life-threatening situation. And drinking too much alcohol can result in pancreatitis. And it is not a pleasant thing, and people do die from it.
2: So that's part of pancreatitis. That's part of what's making it so... Um, uncomfortable and painful for people is is the fact that the enzymes are starting to attack itself
0: right and break down the the organ itself and this chronic again chronic pancreatitis where people just keep getting it keep getting it, it the, the pancreas doesn't totally heal leaves you at risk for pancreatic cancer so this chronic, Um, problem with the pancreas, just like the chronic problem with the liver, increases your risk of developing really bad and deadly cancers.
1: um, I like the way that it's often talked about that the alcohol jumbles up the whole pancreas process, and and so instead of it going where it needs to go, it ends up tagging itself, because I think that's real often what alcohol does. <laughs> right. Um
0: in general in
1: general it, it jumbles up relationships it jumbles up self-awareness and ability to manage um emotions and all those things and so the same thing we're seeing on the outside it's doing to to the person's organs on the inside if they're heavy drinking if
0: they're chronic drinking. Very, very common. And these kinds of medical problems often have um, a pretty high cost. You know, alcoholism and alcohol-related disorders is very expensive and puts a big burden on our um, medical system.
1: But um, It's really interesting when you look at, at the effect of the cost of it. Um, if you Google the CDC's studies related to this, it's all over, the, all over the place about how much it impacts it. But one of the studies specifically was looking at um, working adults because economically that really impacts so much of what's going on. And so um, part of the CDC study found that one in ten deaths um, related to working age adults, people ages 20 to 64, um... <laughs> sixty four just doesn't quite sound right, um, <laughs> but can be directly attributed to, attributed to excessive alcohol use. Um, one in ten deaths were among working age adults, age twenty to sixty four, um, and and so much of the cost of that is is um accidents and not showing up for work and and those kind of costs but also the fact that there's so many many people that die because of it the the lack of productive years amongst people um is something that impacts the whole society one one study pointed out i'm losing the number 224 billion with a b dollars um directed in 2006 um impacting our our society as a whole from the from the impact of alcohol
0: so lost wages, lost productivity, medical costs, loss of life,
1: loss it, of productive years
0: it's it's huge, mm-hmm. and if you think about the ages twenty to sixty four anybody dying under the age of sixty four we always say, Wow, they were so young uh, as I approach that number um, I th- I think numbers higher than that are pretty young to die, <laughs> but that's just a change of my current perspective. But the idea that that they are y- losing these productive years, where most people don't die in those years, those are not the common years for people to be dying, and yet so many of them are related to the disease of addiction, and so many of them are related to alcohol.
1: But and especially you know ages forty to. 64 <laughs> or so are, are actually the most productive years. Those earlier years, you're you're learning your skill, you're learning your trade, you're building your network, and you're starting to uh, to increase your ability to, to earn a living, but your your big earning years are the time when, when alcohol is also taking people out.
0: A very tough kind of thing that happens, and... Um, it's a it's a huge loss to society and um, to people and their families. So, uh, one of the areas that we usually talk about is our brain, and we talk about the direct toxic effects and the impairment in judgment, the impairment in memory, all of these changes that happen when someone's directly under the influence of alcohol. But when we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how alcohol affects the brain over the longer term and the different problems we see there. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.
3: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
5: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
4: or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
0: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is America's Web Radio. Michael Daly and David Donaldson and myself are talking about uh, the physical and medical aspects of addiction, particularly focusing on alcohol. And one of the areas that we talk about a lot, as I said right before the break, is the brain and the effects of alcohol on the brain. Acutely, we talk about that a lot. We talk about what happens when people have the disease of addiction and the changes that are um, that occur in the brain. But um, there are some very specific organs within the brain or regions within the brain that are really affected by alcohol, both acutely and then in the long term. And one area is um, the cerebellum. The cerebellum is an area in the back of your head that is responsible for balance and for moving in a fluid and smooth manner. And we all know what happens when people have had something to drink, too much to drink.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: How do they walk?
1: A little bit uh, wobbly.
0: A little bit wobbly.
1: It's interesting because you look over and their, their gait will be wider Right, and they'll be very conscious of putting each foot down in front of them um, or at least they appear like they're really step, step, step.
0: <laughs> and, um, and have this look on their face like I'm fooling everybody. <laughs> no one has noticed that I'm having trouble walking because I'm doing such a good job. Um, this, um, this acute effect can become long-term effect. And we know that there, uh, that cerebellar disease, particularly in women, is a really big problem where whether they're intoxicated or not, they have a lot of difficulty with balance and with their gait, with their ability to walk. They um, also, and this is something that we've been learning over the recent years, the cerebellum is responsible for more than just how we walk. It's also really important in how we process information and how quickly we process information. So one of the um, defects that we sometimes find in people who have ADD symptoms are related to problems in the cerebellum. And when we have folks that have chronic atrophy where the cerebellum has actually shrunk, the the, um, organ Itself, that part of the brain has shrunk. And there's fewer neurons, and they're not working effectively. Is this cognitive difficulty, slowness of thought, slowness of processing information? And again, they're not necessarily drunk or under the influence. This is this is their natural That's state, permanence. and it's permanent. It is not reversible for many people. Uh, one of is them, it
1: something that that. Is improvable with with supplements or with neurofeedback?
0: We can often see some improvement. Uh, certainly the B vitamins are really important, not just for the Wernicke's area, which is another part of the brain that's affected with speech and with memory, but we, we also know that it can help um, improve and heal some of these regions of the brain. And just like the liver, sometimes... Other neurons can be recruited, and they can make up the difference. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the brain can actually um, generate new pathways and make up the difference. But sometimes it's irreversible, and that's, that's a terrible thing. And it's, um, it causes a lot of cognitive impairment as well as movement.
1: That's so interesting because often when you think about, about women that have the, the gait, um your your natural assumption is that they've got circulatory issues or that they've right. got um, neuropathy issues and that they've got sensitivity in their feet and you don't associate this necessarily with their brain um with their cerebellum processing just the message of move left foot to one foot ahead of you,
0: right? There, it mm-hmm.
1: doesn't. You, you don't necessarily think that that's where the issue is, right? And I know that that women dealing with it or people dealing with it don't think, oh, this is a brain issue, they right? Think they a, think it's a, a, it's body, a foot, it's foot, a foot a issue, physical, a, a physical issue,
0: and uh, and yet it can be. You mentioned neuropathy; that's another problem that people who drink chronically can also have damage to the nerves <coughs> in their in their feet, their legs, and their hands, this is a combination of the direct toxic effect of alcohol, but also because alcohol is a diuretic. It causes you to lose more fluids than you take in. And part of what happens when you're offloading all of these fluids is that your B vitamins are depleted. B vitamins and vitamin C are water soluble so if you are urinating a lot uh, you are offloading these vitamins sometimes faster than you should and now you're in a vitamin deficiency situation and um, this loss of these B vitamins, particularly B1, thiamine, B6 B5 um, B9, folate B12 um, B uh, yeah Vitamin B12, uh, methylcobalamin or cobalamin. Um, these particular vitamins are really important for our nervous system, our central nervous system, and our peripheral nervous system. And some of the the long term effects of chronic alcohol use are these neuropathies that can um, can develop. Sometimes vitamins can be helpful to them. Sometimes not. Um, it also, uh, alcohol has a direct effect on the limbic system. And this is the part of the brain for memory, learning, and regulation of our moods. Now, when people are acutely under the influence of alcohol, one of the things we often see <laughs> is... It's
2: the Dr. Jekyll doctor
0: the dr. Jekyll and the mr. Hyde the very rapid switching of mood states um, and and moods that are often more intense and more exaggerated than you would normally expect for the situation so we have the people that cry we have the people that get mad and fight we have the you know the folks that become hilarious you know uh, all kinds of mood changes happen happen some Mm -hmm. of this is related to release and depletion of neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine gaba and glutamate and these are really important in regulating when we're up and excited and when we're calm and collected when we're tired when we're focused all of these things are now released and you've got the problems during the acute use of alcohol, and then you see the problems often afterwards. Many of our patients are depressed when Mm -hmm. they come in for treatment.
1: And all of our patients have have memory issues for the initial, at at least the first month, if not longer, um, which family members um, will find very, very frustrating because this person is clean now. They should remember when I said go to the store and pick up eggs that you get eggs and not five other things. Um, that they don't get that their family members just aren't process able to retain that memory.
0: It is, it is very frustrating. Uh, one of the um, acute effects of alcohol, we know is, um, can be blackout, which is not drinking till you pass out, although that can happen too. But a blackout, your memory is completely shut off. You have no memory, even though you're walking, talking, doing things, interacting with people sometimes even relatively normally and this shows that your brain is is beginning to have some toxic neurological effects so if you're having blackouts you don't remember what you said last night or how you got home or the conversations with your loved ones you're in you're in trouble because your neurological system is becoming impaired and overall your brain just becomes sh- it shrinks you lose neurons you you lose um, mass of your brain much more quickly than you would have expected, and this is much harder on women than men. So that's a big, big deal.
1: There's such a balance between the neurotransmitters, between the the glutamate that gets people up and going and the GABA, which helps people chill out, and and the balance of the right serotonin level and the right um, um, endorphin levels. and. We know that when somebody is is drinking, especially if they're drinking excessively, that it throws that balance off, but the brain also tries to compensate for that. So it'll end up releasing extra um, um, glutamate or extra GABA, and the person can really end up in a, a dangerous place with the withdrawal because of the brain trying to compensate.
0: And when that happens, um, it, it can be very dangerous and can result in seizures and sometimes even death from the delirium tremens that we talked about earlier. So, yes, acutely and non-acutely we see these um, significant effects. And when you've wasted your neurotransmitters and wasted your vitamins because of the direct effect of alcohol, the longer-term effects on your mood and on your memory are certainly there. You mentioned a little bit about cancer, and we'll um, just briefly say that every place that alcohol touches through your whole intestinal system from your mouth, your uh, pharynx, your larynx, your esophagus, your colon, all of these things can be directly affected by alcohol and give you an increased risk of cancer. So now that we've made your day in a very happy way, uh, we look forward to seeing you next week on Detailing Addiction.
4: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
5: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.